So. So. We're here. End of season one. End of season one. Yeah. I dream of Jeannie Kuzumano, the maybe the Vegas title we've wow. had all season. Big time. I love going to the titles to figure out what the real intention of the show is, but this is a tough one. Very few references to Jeannie Kuzumano in the episode. Yeah, maybe we'll get there by the end. We will. We maybe have some ideas, but okay. this episode is about a lot of things. Very few of them are related to the dream of Jeannie Kuzumano. But maybe that's a larger symbol of something. I don't know. We'll, have to, we'll, we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. I don't think that's the most relevant part of the puzzle with this no. episode. So we have really like an episode that picks up almost directly where we left off last week. Yeah. In that we have, you know, this kind of fallout of um, the hit on Tony or the attempted yeah. hit on Tony. And, but we start off in a really disorienting way as well. So I don't know where you want to start today. I don't know how you want to go. Let's about start this. at the beginning. I think I have like a couple like general characters and storylines sure. to kind of follow, but I think actually starting at the beginning is relevant. Yeah. Because, well, we have this very disorienting scene, right? Mm-hmm. So, we have this meeting happening in the back of Satriales, and we we don't know <laughs> right away that it's this kind of like fake meeting, right, for the purposes of of Jimmy rooting out Jimmy. Um, but it's fun if you do know that that's the purpose right. of the meeting, because then you can really see. Well, throughout this episode, really, characters are looking at each other mm-hmm. so deep, like in so many deep ways throughout this whole episode. But you really see it. In this scene, you see Junior looking at everybody. You see Jimmy, Mikey Paul Meese, kind of barely able to suppress holding his it laughter. together. Yeah, Tony. Tony like, being a total pro. Yeah, he. Well, he, but even Tony kind of has this like almost sheepish around, look on his face in some ways too. But more in control than some of the other yeah. characters. Um. But again, it's this it's this scene where we're kind of like, what you know, like what are we what are they meeting about? You know, like what is this about? And then we find out it is this kind of fake meeting just to. Yeah see what information is fed from Jimmy to the feds. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have a weird cut from that scene, right? We have this like kind of fade to black and then we open on a scene in New York, mm-hmm. right? Um, you get kind of a Times Square-ish right. type imagery with a Burger King. and Burger King, yeah. It's um, amazing how, as we live in New York, how different Times Square looks now. Like, as a timepiece of the late 90s, it's actually pretty remarkable how yeah. much it's changed. I don't even know if it is supposed to be Times Square. Well, but even know. New York in general. New I mean, York it looks general. so different in the last 20 years. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and then we see, we have this, the, you know, the hit on Jimmy right away. Um, one of the things that stands out to me in the show, maybe we'll get to all the different mm-hmm. hits that go on. I yeah. know that you were paying attention to that, but... One of the things that we see throughout the series, and we've we've seen it already. Have we already seen it this season? It'll come to me as I talk if it did. But when characters like are bringing someone to die, uh, right? So like Christopher in that scene, right? Bringing Jimmy to this hotel, like he knows what's up, right? But he's able to kind of carry on this like very convincing charade. Like even as viewers, you're not sure what's yeah like you don't know that it's a hit that's coming right and jimmy definitely doesn't know it's a hit that's coming um and christopher is so good at kind of like manipulating that situation we see it in later seasons a very other characters leading other characters to their death yes you get carried away yes i won't get carried away but (laughs) maybe maybe that'll happen it happens um 
But yeah, I, I thought that scene was, so that's the first of the many hits that we have going on in this episode, which are all kind of the fallout from mm-hmm. last week, as well as the fallout from the who's the rat pussy yeah. situation, too. Well, I think this entire episode is an episode of fallout. When I think about mm. the arc of this season and the last two episodes in particular, there's so much rising action in the second last episode that's leading somewhere. And despite the fact that there's multiple murders and resolutions to conflicts in this episode, for me, it kind of does feel like it's just kind of like settling. It's just settling the score on all these tensions and issues that have been raised building up to this point. So actually, kind of like the arc of the season seems to like rise and reach its climax in the second last episode. And it seems to just be resolving tensions, if anything, in this episode, which is really interesting. There's something about it that actually kind of feels like it's kind of like bringing you home or downwards. Like the line is kind of just kind of falling down from where, from the peak of where it reached in the second episode. Which is interesting because in this episode we see scenes that are very like, would typically in a mob movie be climactic, right? Mm -hmm. So like killing Jimmy or these, the two other hits that take place, right? On Chucky. Yeah. On Chucky Signore. Signore. My Italian's not very good. Yeah. Uh, and on Mikey Palmis, of course. So, like, those would typically be, like, moments of high climax or tension, right? Yes. And I think that this show is very deliberately creating those scenes as almost a caricature of mm-hmm. that kind of, like, classic American mm-hmm. TV or mob movie. This kind of heightened climax or tension that you kind of get in those scenes of violence. Mm-hmm. Actually, but, yeah. but I think you're I think you're right. Like, it actually more, feels more like resolution. It actually it doesn't make you... That all that tense yeah, I actually think they're scenes. they're po- deliberate, like they're purposely making fun of it, poking fun mm-hmm. at those scenes too. That scene actually where Tony shoots Chucky Signore, and he's on the boat that says "Villain Three, yeah. and actually this the shot where he takes the gun out of the fish. There's a rope blocking three, so it actually says "Villain Two right. when he shoots him, and it's the second person that gets shot after Jimmy, and then ultimately we have the third person, Mikey Palmis, who gets shot as the third villain. For me, that's like. It's almost like making a caricature of this kind of like mob hit mentality, mm-hmm. this like mm-hmm. hits and tits kind of thing, like this like. No, I think there weren't any tits in this episode. Well, I guess just the sign of the butta bing. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> those bees. Yeah, the bees. But um, yeah, I think that they're actually poking fun at that genre and the fact that we're looking for that violence and those assassinations for closure or the exciting parts of the show because that's clearly what the show is not about yeah and although this episode engages in that kind of violence and kind of plot devices that are a little bit more exciting Mm -hmm. for me they actually don't feel that exciting and this episode just kind of resolves all these Mm -hmm. things and kind of like Mm -hmm. moves downwards and kind of calms everything down yeah, no, I'm on the same page with I that. I think almost everything gets resolved. And they actually, I feel like they're making fun of themselves in those scenes. It's like, oh, you want this violence? Well, here it is. Like, villain one, villain two, villain three. Yeah. And it's like, they're just kind of making fun of how cartoonish it actually is. Like, what stock writing that is. How yeah. predictable those kinds of scenes yeah. are. Yeah, I mean, the funny thing is, or the interesting thing is, more so with Jimmy and with Mikey that I could think of right now, but actually, like, them killing these characters isn't really resolving all that much. Like, the hit on Jimmy mm-hmm. doesn't really resolve the issue with Pussy, right? Which is kind of, like, how this whole yeah. wire and rat thing came up. 
they're taking it out on him. That scene yeah. with him with the rat in his mouth is disgusting, yeah. you know. Um, but then the same with Mikey, right? Like, Polly and Chris chase him down. It is this, like, very dramatic scene. Well, actually, and that and was another thing that I had. Like, on that scene where Chris and Polly are shooting him, they actually have, like, the film zooming in on their faces as they shoot. Yeah, well, and I, I was a, saying they, they don't even mention the beef, like, that this is because Mikey and Junior put a hit on Tony. They, all, they both have, like, Polly's pissed because he got poison ivy. Yeah. Which, again, like, continues on. Like, they didn't yeah. solve that problem by shooting Mikey. And he's the yeah. one who started shooting. And then Chris is still mad about Brendan, yeah. right? And so that's his reason for shooting Mikey. Yeah. Um, it actually doesn't, you know. And then, of course, yeah. Junior gets, you know, taken by the feds before mm -hmm. that can be resolved. So, so that's an anticlimax. There's actually, yeah, that's a total anticlimax. Maybe we'll come to that scene later. Boo. But, like, <laughs> No, not boo. Well, no, I'm just saying the boos that we've yeah. referenced in previous episodes from um, the fight that never happens. But you see, you have this like creepy kind of going up to a door and knocking, right? And yeah. then it's the feds. It's not Tony or yeah. whatever, right? So yeah. it is anticlimactic. Totally, but, yeah. Um, but yeah, none of the like, although you feel this kind of like you're saying falling action or yeah. whatever, um, it it isn't re it doesn't resolve anything no really. and i think that's a key point because i think that that kind of action of murdering somebody to deal with your problems and feeling like you have solved something or resolved anything is so clearly black and white and one-dimensional that it plays into exactly what we've been talking about in the last episodes of seeing the world in black and white terms mm -hmm. very kind of simplistic one-dimensional views of how to engage with the world around you how to respond to conflict and what the right answer is. Mm -hmm. And I think that we see characters engaging in that kind of behavior. And it's interesting actually how we see like black and white themes kind of coming into the shots. Of which course we do. I'm sure we'll talk about. I don't yeah. know. I'm sure you have <laughs> lots of thoughts about the blacks and the whites and yeah. the colors in the show. Yeah. But um, and grays, lest we forget. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I'd like to point out Val is wearing a gray shirt. I'm wearing a brown. Oh, no, mm. Yeah. What does that mean? Yeah, well, I wore an all-black outfit to go out the other night, and Alex asked me what it meant about my right. psyche. Mm, what does it mean about your psyche? It means that I live in New York. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that's okay. Maybe we'll see some blacks, whites, and grays and colors in this episode. Perhaps. Perhaps. So, I don't know. We could talk about kind of the different... I mean, again, we have this kind of resolution happening, right? But all the kind of different characters that we have are getting their storylines resolved in some ways individually, in some ways like along with other characters. So do you want to go through maybe like a couple different characters as a way to organize it? Yeah, that would be great. The way I see it, I was kind of focusing on a couple different plots that develop. You have Melfi and Tony, Father Phil with various characters, mm -hmm. and you have Artie kind of developing through interactions mm -hmm. with Livia and Tony. Mm -hmm. And the development of those characters and their storylines kind of unfold almost like in acts or something there's like multiple scenes that unfold the drama and they all kind of lead to the end right might be good to start with melfi and tony yeah. just because that's actually a rather minor part in terms of screen time in the episode yeah but pretty major in terms of like if we think about the season coming to a close right mm -hmm. like where are we at we opened with melfi exactly right? and we have a number of scenes that really hearken us back to those initial scenes with Melfi yeah. in a lot of ways and with Tony waiting in the waiting room and stuff like totally. that. So so I think it's interesting, tying back in, into the last episode, it really seems like Melfi is doing something that doesn't happen very often in this show, which is she's kind of hitting us over the head with a 
psychological explanation for why things yeah, are when happening. When she pulls out the book, right? She right. pulls out the DSM-4 and reads from it. I thought that was really over the top. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> well, and in the last episode, she basically gives us a play-by-play on what's going on. Yeah. Which is very unusual because typically there's no closure. Yeah. In fact... Well, she says that. She says, like, usually I allow my patients to come to their own conclusions, but yeah. your life is on the line. Yeah. No, so totally. So I'm going to put it out there. I mean, whatever. this is a show that deals with ambiguities. And actually, that reminds me, something I didn't bring up, the very first scene, the first line we hear in this episode is, okay, so we know what we're going to do. Right. And it turns out that it's actually this fake meeting. Right. So we start off the episode with this, like, assured comment, and it turns out to be fantasy. Right. Because nobody ever really knows what to do. Right. And characters are dealing with that and often engaging in these kind of black and white decisions because... Well, that's we have the, a lot of that in this episode. It gives them a sense of closure, even mm-hmm. though there is no sense of closure to mm-hmm. be had. Mm-hmm. So with Melfi, it's really interesting that she's basically... Not only giving a play-by-play, but we actually see that she's correct with mm-hmm. determining that Livia was behind the murder. She says she takes no joy in it, though. <laughs> it seems pretty remarkable that she'd be able to figure that out. It is. And also that she would diagnose her in the Yeah, with the borderline session. personality disorder. And yet, it's a TV show, so that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's leading us places. Yeah. I thought it was interesting when she said your subconscious was yelling something at you. Yeah. When she's talking about... Isabella, yep. uh, referring to the mother, which is something that she ascertained and actually like explicitly states in the last episode. Yeah. Because the show really does tend to propel the narrative forward in moments of the subconscious saying something in dreams or little elements of characters kind of wrestling with things that are hidden from mm-hmm. themselves that maybe they've been hiding. Mm-hmm. And so that's really interesting. Melfi's really putting her cards on the table you know, like like you said, you know, she's because it's of grave danger to Tony, she has mm-hmm. to. But obviously it's fascinating to see Tony's response to that. Yeah, it's one of the more vi- like more violent things we've seen from Tony, right? Like it is this very Up till this point I would say it's probably the most probably... Well, I mean he does beat up some I mean there's some actually he's this murdered one, somebody. Yeah, but like <laughs> but it's like more I don't know, like emotionally charged or something like that and how close he it's yeah. Like, he doesn't kill her, but it's, like, yeah. almost more violent than when he does kill someone. Um, just being so close to her face. Like, you can see him spitting on her, basically, yeah. when he's yelling. Well, literally, and, we can. Yeah. And, I mean, we've emotionally been more involved in the relationship between Melfi and Tony than we have between Tony and Chucky Signore. Yeah. <laughs> There's something kind of casual about that scene. There's yeah. some casual violence going on. And the shirt he was wearing was yeah. very casual. <laughs> <laughs> the fish he had was yeah. very casual. Um, but yeah, with Melfi. So, but like, so what you said was kind of striking a chord with me in terms of Melfi. And I wrote down that line too, where she says um, that your subconscious was—I can't even see where I have it written down. Your subconscious was shouting something at you, right? Um, so there is something to his dream yeah. about Jeannie Cusimano, of course. Right? And I think <laughs> you know, like, so my thoughts, and maybe because this is the one time it comes up, this is where we can hypothesize yeah. about it, anyways. But I think it does have something to do with that kind of concept of normalcy or just being like an average Joe, like an average mm-hmm. American. Because um, the Cusimanos kind of are, right? They're like an upper middle class, normal, quote unquote, family. And In some ways, I feel like they're more than upper middle class. Like they're kind yeah. of like the they're rich, realization rich of the American dream. Yeah. Maybe they're like the... 
the tip, like the view, the stylization of like the ideal American family. Yeah. I feel maybe more than a typical Joe. I feel like the American, the American dream is kind of like upper middle class dream. But anyway, okay. that's yeah. Whatever. It's man, it doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> but um, so, there, but there's something about that, right? But then it also has this like kind of fantasy associated with it because he imagines her as having this huge ass, right? right. And in real life, she doesn't. And so it's it's. I, I don't know. Right, because we have seen her. It really Very is. briefly. Very briefly, but if you've seen the show enough times yeah. like we have, then you start to <laughs> know yeah. these things. Um, and the fact that he's telling Melfi, like he knows that Melfi knows Jeannie, yeah. and he's bringing this up. I, I don't know. I can't quite figure out what it is. Is it his subconscious yelling something at him or shouting something at him? I don't know. Yeah, our the, dreams always our dreams always a relevant hint at what's going on in our lives. Melfi maybe. certainly believes that his duck dream is right. She brings yeah. that up on a number of occasions, yeah. right? Um, with the castration thing, right? Yeah. She's like, "That's you know one of your fears." And yeah, um, to be emasculated. To be emasculated. Um, and really, in some, I mean, in some ways, he is. We have this kind of. <laughs> Tony is able to kind of win in this power conflict between pretty much everybody except for his mother. Yeah. At the end, Livia, when she's being wheeled off, she not only survived, but we have that line where Tony's talking to Carmel. He says, the other guys, I'll deal with them. Myself, I don't know. Yeah. And the psychological and emotional turmoil that Livia's able to kind of inflict on Tony, she kind of wins. That yeah. That's her power. Yeah. And Tony is unable to defeat that. Yeah. That has, that's the closure that we have at the end of the season. Well, I, I do think that Livia is part of the duck metaphor, too, because, like, we do have this kind we've talked about maybe it being about kind of, like, losing control on mm -hmm. our, your family, kind of. And we have a number of times brought up in this episode. We're not being be able to control everything. Yeah, too. but, like, we, we have a number of things brought up in this episode, yeah. like... Tony talks twice about um, Meadow and AJ growing up and leaving the house soon. And yeah. then he talks about them having families of their own yeah. soon. Um, but then we also have, you know, this image of a duck flying away with his penis, right? Yeah. And we have Carmela. I mean, not literally. They didn't, they didn't film a duck with a penis. <laughs> no, but we know that that dream's been brought up a number of times. And we also then have Carmela saying that Livia is a strange duck. Mm -hmm. And yes. I've never heard Carmela called anyone a strange duck before. And I know that the script writers don't do anything that's not on purpose. <laughs> so they are trying to link that yes. with. Yeah, that was very, that was definitely I think it's very I mean, it's family, you know, I think like yeah. loosely and, and that level of control. But. One other thing I thought perhaps with his dream of Jeannie Cusimano is the fact that bringing up this sexual dream within the context of all these murders and assassinations and threats to his life kind of also shows the comfort that he has in that environment. Whereas in the last episode when he was dealing with the fallout from thinking about who he is and his psychological issues, he was completely depressed and couldn't mm -hmm. really engage with anything. Mm -hmm. But now he's so comfortable that he's like having sex dreams and mm -hmm. bringing them up. There's something very casual and kind of nonchalant about it mm -hmm. that I think he actually is more in control right now in this world. Like that kind of is who he is. Yeah. There's an aspect of that. And I yeah. think that that's a theme that gets touched on and re-examined as the yeah. show goes on. Well, Melfi then follows up when he tells her that dream though, that he, she talks about his feelings of worthlessness. Mm -hmm. So 
I don't know if she was like directly referring to that dream and that that was her kind of analysis of it. But she said like she kind of follows it up. She kind of cuts him off talking about his dream and she yeah. follows up kind of about that with his feelings of worthlessness. Yeah. Um, anyways, I don't know. But yeah, but Melfi. So so we have that scene, yeah. right? We have the scene where he really violently um, yells at her because she's talking about Livia, right? Yeah. Um, her reaction, like she's definitely scared, right? She runs, she closes the door. In the mm -hmm. moment, she doesn't seem that scared yeah <laughs> she's pretty stoic in the moment yeah and then we see her next when she's leaving her office for the day on another day and tony's sitting outside in the waiting room yeah. right and we do we see her panic there a lot more than we saw in the actual scene of violence right yeah. so she's obviously been, like living with that um and then we see her come to this realization right like that tony's like you're in danger right yeah which, you know, he doesn't know precisely that she is in danger, right? But he's trying to protect her well, in some way. In some ways he does. I mean, it's a fair assumption. It's a fair assumption. But so so anyway, she says he, she's in danger and she says, well, I can't testify against anybody. Yeah. Right. Um, but then he starts to say, like, he's going to take care, like, he's going to take care of the people who are a threat to her. And then she can come back from her vacation. Yeah. Or whatever. But. And then she has this like realization. She's like, oh, people are going to get murdered, aren't yeah. they? Right? And that's right. the one thing that she says to him in the first, first episode, episode is the only time I could ever mm -hmm. talk to the cops or something or like report anybody is if they were threatening to hurt themselves or hurt other people. Yeah. Right? And then she says to him, he's like, I know what you must be thinking. Yeah, and she's you like, you have the, no, no idea, idea. Yeah, that was a key I'm scene, thinking. I thought. And that's the thing that's interesting, I mean, about like a therapeutic relationship on one level of that, those lines, there's like yeah. on one level, like Tony doesn't know anything about Melfi, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's the nature of that relationship is yeah. she knows very much about Tony. Yeah. I mean, some truths, some half truths, but she knows a lot about it. And so how could he ever say like, I know what you must be thinking, right? Right. And yeah. yet... <laughs> He needs closure and definiteness in yeah. his life. Now, do you think there was some colors in that scene? Do you think there might have been a few colors? You know what? I I didn't see any. Oh. <laughs> you wanna... I was watching it all in black and white. Would you like to talk about the colors? Oh yeah, no, no, that would be that would be great. Actually, that would be cool. I think there there might have been oh, some. I didn't oh, want to bring it up because you know I feel like I talk about them a lot. But if you're yeah. asking, that's yeah, cool. Yeah, I would like to know about the colors. Well, actually, it's fascinating mm. because there's all sorts of things going on in that scene. So Which we, scene in particular? The scene with Tony and Melfi that we were kind of just oh. talking about, where you know, where she's she says, call. yeah, she has that gray suit on. Yeah. See, you were paying attention. <laughs> <laughs> so she's wearing an all gray suit. We have Tony all in black. And we start to actually see some symbols that have been introduced in previous episodes, like the black phone yeah. on the desk is pretty clear. Yeah. Um, as well, we also have this kind of white painting in the background in multiple frames of like a flower or something mm. that's kind of all white. Oh, yeah. It's a pretty like monochromatic color There's scheme. There's like a couple panels, yeah. And... Um, yeah, and then another really key thing is those gray scissors, actually, mm -hmm. which I think is pretty huge. And when she says, you have no idea what I'm thinking, and then Tony says, I know what basically, you know, I know what you're thinking. You can go to the cops, and we know that actually that's something that she could do at this mm -hmm. point. She actually get kind of gets rid of the scissors, yeah, she and she's kind back. of like disarmed of her only kind of 
weapon yeah. that she has. Yeah. And I think it's really interesting thinking of gray too as like the combination of black and white. Mm. So Tony really always engaging in it's this or it's this, it's good or it's bad. And Tony and and Melfi is kind of like looking at the combination of those two things. It's more complicated. Mm -hmm. There's kind of like a convergence of these issues. Mm -hmm. And that's something that we see a lot in this episode. There's a lot of whites and there's a lot of blacks. In particular with Artie's storyline, there's a lot of him wearing whites and then slowly introducing well, some blacks. We'll, we'll talk about Artie we'll, in a No, we'll, we'll get there. But what's interesting is there isn't a ton of grays all the time. And I think that that signifies something different. And I think that what happens is that Melfi is drawn into Tony's world at this mm -hmm. point, at the end. She's disarmed of her power mm -hmm. that she has, of anything she could do to kind of have power over Tony mm -hmm. or be in control in any way. And she's kind of pulled into this black and white world where it has to be stay or leave, right. dot, fight or flight, basically. Yeah. And she does end up leaving. And actually, yeah. we have that scene where the, the lights kind of go off. Yeah, that's at such the a. End it's, into that's blackness. almost like a dream sequence. Like that all. Yeah, like it kind this... of suspends the reality yeah. of the scene. But yeah, I thought that was really interesting. Like, Tony, you know, she says, I can go to the cops. Well, actually, she doesn't say that, but she could go to the cops. Yeah. We know that. Yeah. Tony says, I know what you're thinking you can go to the cops. And the reality is, like, she can't anymore. She She's kind of been... She's she's just unable to deal with the kind of complexity of these issues. Yeah. She's been forced into dealing with things the same way Tony does. And that's the collateral damage of his actions. Mm -hmm. There's this kind of toxic effect of everything that he does and pulls people into the world that he inhabits. Yeah. But, um... Yeah, I think I think there was some color. So thanks for asking. Oh, was... you're welcome. I'll ask you about it in a moment. Not also. that blacks, whites, and grays are really colors, but that's okay. <laughs> I would refer to them as shades. Shades. There's some shades. Thanks for asking about the shades. Oh, you're welcome. Um, what else? Who do you want to talk about? We can talk about Artie. We introduced some sh some Artie, some Artie oh. stuff. His colors, yeah. Let's just take a break on the colors. A oh, lot of okay. colors. I know oh, you, you're fascinated and can't sure. wait to talk about them. Well, we have a lot of scenes that take place at the new Vesuvio. Mm -hmm. I think maybe like that's important also because there is something like at the end of a season, right, that started yeah. again in the first episode. In Vesuvios. With Vesuvios yeah. getting blown up yeah. or whatever. And now in this last episode, we actually have their new restaurant is open yeah. and there's customers there. Yeah. And Carmela has a fly in her salad or whatever, <laughs> and there's you know people on ladders. But we there's a lot of scenes that take place at this new Vesuvio's. Totally. I also love the kind of like sense of foreboding that we get. Charmaine saying she's afraid of it turning into another mob joint, and then yeah, the last scene we have is Paulie, Sil, Chris, Adriana, all of the Sopranos. You know, they're yeah. all there. And there's I mean, some like old white lady in the background though. I saw. And an old white lady. <laughs> but you know, I mean. The restaurant is basically yeah. completely occupied by that family. Yeah, and perhaps even gets more so as the series goes on. Well, I mean, they're definitely implying that, or we have a feeling that that's yeah. where things are leading. But they're out of control. Yeah, but it's interesting just to kind of like lead into Artie, maybe just to talk a little bit about the scenes. Well, no, maybe we'll save them for Father Phil. I was going to say the scene with Carmela well, and Rosalie. The uh, stuff with Father Phil and Artie is fascinating because yeah. I think that those are two of the distinct narratives in this episode, but yeah. they converge. Yeah. So you start off with Father Phil and and uh, Jackie and, you know, this scene. Sorry, not that doesn't make any sense. No, you start Father off Phil with... Father Phil with Rosalie 
giving him Jackie's watch, the ghost of Jackie, <laughs> just showing up. Yeah, well, he shows up to Rosalie and Carmela's lunch. Yes. Right? And they're first talking to Artie. So that's how Artie comes into this. Exactly. Right? So that's our first, it's our first scene at New Vesuvio's. Yeah. It's our first scene in this episode where we see Artie. And he yeah. comes up to their table. Like I said, we get this sense that things are, you know, there's a few kinks in the new restaurant, like this bug, yeah. et cetera. But there's a couple, again, when I was thinking about the looks that characters give each other, right? Um, Carmela says, like, we're just so happy for you, yeah. you know, like with this new yeah. restaurant. Um, and something about the insurance money coming through or whatever, right? Yeah. And so then we see Rosalie kind of give Carmela the side eye. Mm-hmm. And then Artie brings up the carjacking, right? Which was yeah. not a carjacking. And again, we see Rosalie kind of giving Carm the side eye. Yes. And so it's these characters are trying to protect, like lots of characters are trying to protect other characters from yeah. what's really true. Yes. In this episode, right? I think well, truth in this is a key series. part of this yeah. see, and this this episode. And I think that's something we should talk about. Characters lying. Which yeah. actually you kind of started to touch on characters leading people to their death and yeah. kind of fabricating the way that they're dealing with yeah. it, their but, demeanor. But Artie in this scene is pretty happy, right? Like he's yeah. really like he's excited and he's um unaware that he's being tricked in any kind of way in this in yeah. this scene, right? And then Father Phil does show up as well later. Yeah. But we'll get so to what the, what's interesting though is that there's this convergence of characters. So actually we have <laughs> we have them converging at the beginning of the episode, then they kind of go in different directions, deal with the fallout of their various storylines. We have kind of Artie going to Livia, we have Father Phil going yeah. elsewhere. And then they actually end up in a place back where at, back at their storylines yeah. kind of completely converge. Yeah. Um well, actually, sorry, at the church, we have them converge, and then at New Vesuvius. Yeah. yeah. A couple of things, because I do want to talk about Artie, but it's interesting in that first scene, we have Phil wearing Jackie's watch, which is this kind of element of him being complicit in the behavior of the mob. Like, how can he kind of be this spiritual guide as he's wearing this kind of material possession that's yeah. clearly I from... I thought we were going to save this for Father Phil. Oh, we will. We'll get there. Oh, okay. But, but I we're just... also going to talk about it with Artie? Yeah, we're also going to talk about it with Artie. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, but Artie is also this complicit is where, I'm just with trying the to, mob. I'm just okay, trying to okay, okay. complete the scene. Yeah. So we have... <laughs> I, right. get, I get it. Yeah, I get it. Artie get it. is also complicit with with the mob. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. And he says so, right? He's like, you made me a party to conspiracy to commit a crime. Right? He's aware, yeah. he's aware of he's it. He's aware of it. And he doesn't tell Charmaine. Yeah. Right. See? Thanks. We, we got that. Okay. So anyway... But there, there's the watch the, can be set to have a countdown to the millennium. Yeah, who knew? <laughs> it's so it's so handy in '99. Yeah. <laughs> um, but we do. Yeah, these characters are being drawn into the orbit of the Sopranos. Yeah. Both of them. They're these kind of peripheral characters. Yeah. But they both can't escape the magnetism. They're both bald. <laughs> wow, deep. What do you think that means? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, one thing that I thought was interesting there too is actually just thinking about you. You mentioned the bug in Carmela's salad. Mm-hmm. There is this weird element of, in talking about power dynamics, Artie kind of being a servant of sorts mm-hmm. to the Sopranos. Mm-hmm. Like even that, the fact that Carmelo would bring to his attention that there was a bug there, yeah. as opposed to just like picking it out or something. Yeah. The fact that Artie is constantly this kind of like servant character. And we see that actually early on right, when they do in the, the season, for... when they do the party and yeah. they're kind of like, yeah, they're, the, they're the help and you have Charmaine kind of, you know, beckoning. Yep. Sorry. Carmela beckoning Charmaine with her hands. I don't know why I'm mixing up every character today. I don't know. But that's okay. 
Um, and we have that scene with McNulty and Wallace and. <laughs> <laughs> That's a whole other thing. Oh, man. All um, over the place. But Artie. Okay. So so we have that first scene at the restaurant. Is the next time we see Artie when... Oh, no. Then we see him go to Olivia. You're right. Yeah. I love... I actually like that scene. That scene I remember... Of course. Like, from start to end. You yeah. know, like, just how much it shifts. Like, you have Artie being... He's so sweet. And he yeah. goes and he brings food. And he, the way he, like, sets up her napkin, yeah. Yeah. you know? And he clearly, he as he says, like, you used to make the best PB&J in town, right? And he's saying these things. He says slightly different things later to Father Phil mm -hmm. about her, yeah. right? But to her face, he's talking yeah. about these times when they were children. And, and, you know, like, she asks how his mother is yeah. and his mother's dead. And, you know, she's being classic Livia there. But when she says, like, oh, I don't know, like, like after everything he did to you, and then you see him just yeah. shift, it's really... Well, that's a fascinating scene, too, just in terms of Livia's character. Mm -hmm. So you have these kind of, the windows, there's a lot of light coming mm -hmm. in. They're almost like barred. It's like a prison or something yeah. that Livia's in at this point. But you have the kind of two-tone lighting on yeah. Livia's face that we've that seen used yeah. for Tony at multiple times. And mm -hmm. we've seen the camera spin around to kind of focus on either the dark or light part mm -hmm. of his face kind of signaling the behavior that he's engaging in. And we have Livia, yeah, with a very kind of shaded half of her mm -hmm. face, almost completely down the middle. Mm -hmm. And then we have her engaging in behavior where she's being a sociopath. Yeah. She's manipulating the situation. She's doing what she does best yeah. of creating conflict, creating tension, yeah. being a puppet master and getting people to kind of rail against each other and do what she wants, yeah. kind of create chaos. Yeah. She's kind of this chaos agent. It's wild. She totally is. Um, but right, so then we have Artie confronting Tony. I don't know how he knew Tony was going to be pulling in there. That was kind of unclear. They were both in the parking lot. To set trails. That, okay. Yeah, Tony goes there all the time. All right, so he was just waiting. He was just waiting was with just his waiting hunting rifle. Him. Okay. Um, so that, that's an amazing scene. And yeah. that's one that definitely I remembered yeah, very vividly yeah. from, you know, every time that I've seen it. Yeah. So, I mean, I, there's tons I can talk about with that. Sure. I mean, I think it was fascinating. Artie has this gun with a scope. Yeah. He's clearly so out of his element. Yeah. And something that I thought was fascinating, the way that they film it. So, at first, the way that they're filming Tony is a little bit frenetic. It's actually, there's a lot of tension in the frame. It's, it's actually kind mm -hmm. of like, you're worried. Mm -hmm. And... Tony is worried. We, mm -hmm. we're, we're, we can feel that. But he's worried because he's like, you accepted their money. He thinks that Junior has paid Artie to kill him. Right. And as soon as Livia gets mentioned, the shots on Tony are very still, calm. yeah. Very still. And actually, we actually have kind of like this like low shot that makes him look imposing over Artie now. Mm -hmm. Compared to the, like, the angle that's shooting Artie. It's actually like more straight for mm -hmm. Artie and more imposing for Tony. And actually the way they create a frame, you can actually see his hands coming up mm -hmm. to kind of calm down Artie. Mm -hmm. He's fully in control of the situation. Now, what's fascinating about that is, this scene's a little bit different because we see Tony engaging in a bold-faced lie. Yeah. And we see him engaging in a bold-faced lie over something that we've been involved in as the audience throughout yeah. the entire season. So. We know that he was responsible for burning down the restaurant. Well, the way he says it, though, I mean, he's so manipulative, right? So he's so like, we, I never uh, laid a hand on your restaurant. He didn't. Yeah. I did not. Burn, I did. Okay. So I, did not I swear burn, to God, yeah. I didn't touch your place. Yeah, touch. Already yeah. asks again, so you have this like need for closure yeah. for an answer, which I think actually 
Tony says, I swear to God, I didn't touch your place. And then Artie says something like, tell me you didn't touch my place. Yeah. And it's like, we had an example of this before. We get some ask something. Tell me you didn't do it. Tell me yeah. you didn't do it. It's like people just need closure yeah. on these things. So then he says, I didn't burn down your restaurant. So it's like clearer, but yeah, he didn't burn down the restaurant, yeah. but he was responsible for it. Yeah. So this He's, is... A, and he swore on his mother. It's an interesting scene because it's kind of like a new level to Tony's character mm -hmm. because we've seen him engage in deceit, but this is something where we see him boldface manipulating somebody, boldface, you know, speaking untruths, and we know everything about this issue. Yeah. And we know that he fucked with Artie. Yeah, well, and we kind of know in some ways that Artie knows that too. Artie's actually kind of spot on with it. Yeah. He says like, you did this to help me, Yeah. right? That, that line, like that line sticks with me too. Like he's like, you twisted, like you twisted fuck or whatever, yeah. like, yeah. but he got, like he yeah. actually really gets it. Yeah, like it wasn't just an act of like yeah. random violence by yeah. Tony, he actually, was spot on yeah. to say like you did this to help me in yeah. your weird twisted way yeah um and i don't know that he ever like really believes tony when tony you know like yeah cause, so because then yeah. he goes to father phil right so the next well, time we one, see Artie, yeah he does and actually one other thing about yeah. that is the the shot that we have on tony is he's in front of waving branches on trees yeah. too which we've established the kind of that imagery and symbolism like there's a sense of judgment on tony in the background yeah that we're party to yeah like we can see that there's something bigger than them mm -hmm. there's this kind of like eternal thing mm -hmm. outside of them that gets referenced a lot in this episode yeah and tony is engaging in behavior that we know now is really messed up but there is kind of like a judgment behind him and above him yeah even though he's kind of taking control of the situation yeah so yeah next we have already going to father phil Right. Which now we kind of have Why a convergence Why does anyone go to Father Phil? I don't understand. Great question. He's, Although, he's this useless. is a fascinating scene because <laughs> Phil is kind of offering moral guidance. And he's trying to get him to do the right thing, which he hasn't particularly done mm -hmm. in, the, in the past. And we have um, already saying to Phil at the end, you know, all due respect, you're getting off the subject. When Phil is telling him that he has to tell Charmaine. Well, we jump into their conversation kind of halfway through, right? We don't get their full conversation. We, like, kind of sneak up on them sitting in a pew. That's how it's yeah. filmed, right? Yeah. Um, so we don't know how he started the conversation. But I do get the sense, like, he says that he hates life and he hates yeah. all men, right? Yeah. Which is pretty big. Yeah. It's a big kind of conversation, right? But yeah. Father Phil is kind of more focused in on, like, this example of it yeah. but i think for Artie, it's a lot deeper than just this one incident totally right like do you remember the color of shirt he was wearing Artie? yeah no. <laughs> okay red red <laughs> <laughs> lot lot going on with Artie in this one with the colors there's a there's a whole journey that gets documented wow. in colors is that the only time he's wearing a color well Oh, great question, Val. <laughs> well, so something that's fascinating, at the very beginning of this episode, we see him in the kitchen in his chef's uniform, all white, all the chefs yeah. wearing all white, white plates, white napkins, crazy white color scheme. Yeah. Charmaine wearing a super vibrant blue shirt. So see somebody who actually sees things outside of that kind of like black and white mm -hmm. way. But what's really interesting is this scene where Artie's just kind of consumed with rage. Mm -hmm. Like that's him adopting a color. Mm. Like he's trying to make peace with these issues that he's been confronted with. Now, what's really interesting is where it ends up. Because when he has another meeting with Dr. Phil, slash Father <laughs> Phil, yeah. um, 
he's wearing this hilarious black hat. Yeah. White shirt. There's like actually like kind of like a brown jacket, but it's actually like lifted. So there's like a black kind of lining that's yeah. showing. But his transformation from all white to white with some of the black, I think that there's some, he's complicit. He's more complicit in the behavior, this well, he's bad behavior. He's chosen he's to kind be. of he chosen not that to, negative side. Yeah, to not he tell made Char a choice. Charmaine. Yeah. Yeah, and I get it. Like, that's how he deals with his rage and his anger. And that's kind of how he resolves this for himself. But there's kind of, there's not literally blood on his hands, but he's more involved with the dark side than he was before. Yeah. Because Father Phil is trying to direct him in the right direction. Yeah, he says, you have to right tell thing. Charmaine. Yeah. And... What's fascinating, actually, is that in that last scene where he goes to see him, you know... Yeah, when they're at, back at the restaurant. <laughs> you have Artie talking to Phil, saying these lines like, you know, just to to say it would be... His quote is, it would add to the quotient of sorrow to doubt him. Yeah. And it's like, what? What do you... So he starts, like, kind of speaking these platitudes that I'm just actually like used Father to Phil, Phil saying yeah. earlier on. And well, it's and his rationalization. He's throwing out this nothingness yeah. to kind of deal with his problem. Well, and you, he says, like, <laughs> you either have to be a yes man or a no he man. He says you can be a, a, positive, a positive ion, ion or, or a negative, negative ion, man. which I think is, that's this thing that, I mean, I keep on hammering on. Yeah. But there's, like, black and white. You can be positive or you can be negative. And yeah. that's not what this world is. Yeah. That's how these characters engage with it. Mm -hmm. There's infinite complexity to all these things. Mm -hmm. All these issues that we're talking about have a purpose, relate to other things. There's this extremely complicated web of information that we're mm -hmm. fed. But people need closure and they need right and wrong. And that worldview of you can be a positive ion or a negative ion is what leads Phil to saying you seem at peace to him. Yeah. Which he does. He does seem more at peace, but it's kind of a bullshit worldview. Yeah, but I think, like, that is something, right? Like, we, and we see this all the time. Like, characters who, or anyway, people, right? Like, when people think that they've had it figured out, right, that is peaceful. It's not peaceful to question things, yeah. right? You're When you're living in a sense of disequilibrium or whatever you want to call yeah. it. Like, that isn't peaceful. It's comfortable to choose a worldview yeah. and to sit with it, right? Yeah. And like anything that challenges it, you can completely disregard yeah. because you've already decided how you see things, right? Yeah. And I think Artie can still see himself as a good person, mm -hmm. even though he's made this choice, yeah. right? Like, But he's saying he doesn't want to add to the quotient of sorrow. sorrow. <laughs> he, he's saying, well, this information came, like then he kind of switches his tune on Livia yeah. a little bit, right? Like right. everyone from a person who never has a good thing to say about anyone. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we when we were kids, we all knew, you know, you couldn't get on her bad side or whatever yeah. it was he said. Um, so he's like, he's made it work for himself. Yeah. He feels good about it. And it kind of pays off, right? Charmaine's like excited and happy yeah. about the restaurant too. When she yeah. comes up to him later, they're having a glass of wine. But there is this element of deceit that now yeah, exists in their relationship. Of course, I'm not saying it's all peachy. Mm-hmm. But for yeah, what is in this show? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's just such an uplifting show. Yeah. Well, why don't we go through Father Phil and the things that happen? Okay. Because I mean, they become kind of intertwined with Artie, and I, maybe we. Yeah, we've touched on a few of them. It just makes sense to kind of touch on a, on the others, because there's also the there's aspect. Few, I mean, of, actually, we have kind of touched on a lot of the scenes because it yeah. starts with Rosalie and. But but yeah. we have you know a couple with Rosalie and with Carm. Yeah, and we have the scene where food is actually directly talked about mm -hmm. and that's something that we've discussed before and is very apparent mm -hmm. in the show is 
something that means a lot. Yeah. So we have Rosalie with Phil kind of engaging in the same kind of relationship that Carmela had earlier. Yeah. And we have... Well, you also hear him, just to go back to that scene where they're at the restaurant, um, you can see Carm's face when he says, like, oh, both of your cooking is, like, I don't know how both of you could come here, something go to Spice Rack. Like, yeah. he's basically, like, saying that he has eaten both of their food, basically, right? right? And so Carm, yeah. Carm kind of, like, side-eyes Rosalie yeah. at yeah. that point because yeah. she's like, oh, I didn't really realize that. And when right. and when she sees him put his hand on top yeah. of her hand, right, she's, yeah. like, she's jealous. Yeah. And she's But she's also made more aware of some of the things that she already thought about Father yeah. Phil, right? Mm -hmm. Like, she sees him differently. Totally knowing that right like yeah. that this is not just something that he's doing with her this is like a part of his personality totally right and we this leads to her calling him out on it i yeah. think it's fascinating too this aspect of food as an element of control mm -hmm. and having carmela bring the food and rosalie bring the food when they're in the church yeah and there's um, the music playing in the background there's like church music like choir music playing in the background yeah and um Carmel actually, once she sees what's going on, she throws it out. Yeah. But I, I just love that they all, every, all these characters have kind of a hidden agenda of what they want, and they're making food and bringing it to people to kind of get there. Yeah, well, we see Carmela. We see Carmela do that with Livia in the last episode. Like it's there's always kind of, and, and we see Tony do it with Livia yeah. too, bringing her macaroons and stuff like that. Yeah, there's some color stuff in what you're talking about. It's fine. You can talk Purple about shirts? It. No, it's not Purple shirts. <laughs> <laughs> Just watch the episode and let me know what you think. You can email us. Yeah. Um, Stop talking about color. <laughs> so, but then we get this great scene. So we, we have the scene with Father Phil and Artie. We have the scene with Father Phil and Rosalie in the church. And then we get this great scene where he's let himself into the Soprano household. Right? Yeah. Carmela comes in. He's there in the kitchen. Mm -hmm. And she calls him out like she yeah. she's obviously mad at him because of the rosalie thing kind yeah. of evidently but then she gets into like you know he's she's like are you staying for dinner how many steaks should i defrost and then she really is like she's like because he says something about tony i wish i still wish tony would have come to me right yeah like he always uses that as this kind of guise for why he's being so involved in these yeah. women's life right mm -hmm. and so she's like whatever like father phil like he's a sinner yeah right but yet you come to this house you eat steak you yeah. use his media right. center right like well, basically <laughs> showing how complete yeah. how just like Artie and yes. just like um we we're talking about someone else are complicit in this mob activity even though they can still see themselves as yeah. holier than thou or good or whatever it might be right that yeah. like they're very, by taking Jackie April's watch with the Millennium yeah. Countdown. Yeah. No, and I mean, and that's as close to laying their cards on the table as this show comes with a scene like that. Yeah. They're really kind of showing that aspect of the show that's dealing with peripheral characters and people outside of the Soprano orbit not standing up for the right thing and yeah. getting involved in it in yeah. their own way well and they make choices to do so yeah making right? choices to do so um i i mean and carm has it right on here like she really she really calls him out kind of like how Artie, you know can identify exactly what tony was up to yeah like she pegs father phil for exactly what he is right that he manipulates spiritually thirsty women yes and it's integrated with food and, the sexual, with food tension. and the sexual tension game yeah um like she 
she's better than Melfi in some ways. Like she yeah, really, like, right? like she was spot on there. Um, and you could see his reaction to it. Like, yeah, he's just kind of like, you don't think he even says anything after that. He yeah. just kind of gets his coat and leaves, takes the movie, takes one, one true, true thing. thing. Yeah, yeah. Which also what an apt title. Yeah. Um, and, <laughs> but she, I... and she compares him to Tony, right? With that who me shit, right? She's mm-hmm. like, Tony gives me this all well, the time. Well, who this else? Thing. Obviously, Olivia. Yeah, of course. So, do, yeah. Do you remember any, um, do you remember what Carmela was wearing? <laughs> Maybe what some of the others were wearing? What was Carmela wearing? Oh. Father Phil's always wearing black. Well, he's I don't know how wearing, that fits He's actually with always your... wearing black and white, except for in this scene where he's wearing a purple sweater. Oh. Which is actually a little bit, he's wearing it over. Which is actually a little oh, yeah. bit interesting. But that's kind of a religious color. Like in Advent mm-hmm. and stuff like that, we have that Still, purple. typically he's, the, you know, those shades, mm. right? We've seen him wear a red jacket before. When he comes, he looks like a pizza man. But he takes it off right away. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> he comes out of the storm and it's gone. As yeah. soon as he enters the house, it's gone. Yeah. His pizza uniform is gone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, that's an interesting scene, actually, because you have him wearing the sweater. And I don't know if maybe that relates to... I felt the writing ingratiated myself to fill more his interactions with Artie. I actually felt like he was taking in the complexities of these situations. Mm. And in that dynamic, Artie was the one kind of saying these nothingness mm-hmm. statements and platitudes. Mm-hmm. And Father Phil actually was kind of being a moral compass for him. Mm-hmm. Now, what's interesting is Karma's wearing all black, white hair clip. And they focus oh, yeah. on it a lot. The back of her hair with the pearls, yeah. All black. And then, yeah, sometimes they'll <laughs> focus on just behind her with the white hair clip and then she'll turn around so i think she's kind of at this point she has to make a decision to mm-hmm. cope on father Phil. and she's yeah. villainizing him yeah you know i think that you hit the topic of villains you know that we had for the boat and everything but we have her kind of explaining things and explaining things correctly but it's also it's like kind of cut and dry you know mm-hmm. and she's analyzing and maybe there's even something in this to like analysis and coming up with an answer to what's going on, who these characters are, what this show is, what's happening. There's something a little bit bleak, or there's something kind of missing the point with that Mm -hmm. to come up with an answer. Yeah. And I think that ambiguity is so important and I think it's important for us to realize that as doing this all the time, trying to analyze every little tiny detail is that this show is deliberately putting things out there that can't be answered. Yep. And... Even in that scene, you know, there's an aspect of her oversimplifying things. Totally. Well, let's jump to. In Carm fact, even for that fact that that's the one point where, uh, sorry, I didn't mean to cut off. But <laughs> even with Father Phil, you know, kind of engaging in behavior that does ingratiate himself towards us for the first time, mm-hmm. in terms of him actually acting as a moral guide mm-hmm. for the first time in the entire season, mm-hmm. and now he gets kind of vill- yeah. villainized. Well, Artie didn't bring any sexual tension to the table, so it wasn't his game. <laughs> I guess not. <laughs> um, okay, but no, let's jump to Carm for a second because mm-hmm. we were talking about her and like now she's seeing Father Phil in these black and white ways. We also see her not seeing, well, how should I say? We see her being very accepting for the first time outright of things that Tony is saying he's going to do. So they're, yes. they're in their bedroom Huge. that night or after he, you know, comes to the conclusion that he has to kill Junior and, and he's Mikey. Being so he clear. doesn't mention Chucky. I don't know why, but um, he says, he's... I'll take care of my uncle. I'll take care of Mikey P. And then Carm starts to console him. Yeah. She's so aware. 
That's yeah. the first time we're kind of led into the level of awareness she has. Yeah, no, exactly. And, and, and she's, yeah, like she's just kind of holding him and she brings up these things around Livia, right? Like she's obviously like, she can see these connections for Tony there as well. But yeah, like she's, she knows exactly what's going on. And that made me think back to the scene with her and Rosalie and Artie, right? Yeah. That like we all we have to assume even if we don't see it explicitly told to Carmela. Yeah. I think this scene really tells us that we have to assume that she is com not com well, yeah, complicit. I mean, by association, but that she knows everything, right? So we yeah. see like when they talk about in that scene at New Vesuvio when the fire is mentioned Rosalie kind of like looks sideways mm -hmm. at Carmela right like yeah. really indicating like Carmela knows that it was Tony yeah right and and we've never seen Tony tell Carmela mm -hmm. like that's what we did to Artie's right. restaurant or yeah. whatever um but we know she knows same with the quote-unquote carjacking right mm -hmm. she knows and now we know like she knows that he's gonna go out and kill a bunch of people just like then Melfi kind of comes to this realization and Melfi kind of does a similar thing Melfi does not report it yeah right so we see these again again and again these characters choosing to not do the right thing when it comes to the world of the mob yeah right um yeah yeah or just basic morality people yeah. don't ha are not principled yeah at the end of the day they do what's easy yeah yeah one thing that was actually interesting in that scene with the way that they start they focus on the house in nature mm -hmm. kind of which we've Twice talked they about do that, yeah. yeah i mean they really establish the theme of the kind of trees and the wind mm -hmm. which is interesting because we'll get to that in the last scene the way mm -hmm. that that kind of ends the season mm -hmm. well we had but, wind last episode too. oh it's been all over the place yeah i mean everywhere um also so when they actually so they have the house in nature and then they go into that scene that we were just referencing tony is actually in front of a painting that has mm -hmm. characters in it but the way they construct the frame Tony's blocking the only figure. So it's actually just a landscape mm -hmm. behind him. Um, and we have, yeah, and then the camera kind of shifts. shifts. But we have, like, the nature outside the house, the nature behind him. There's constantly just this sense of judgment around or behind him. From everywhere we look. Mm -hmm. In all these scenes, actually, Carmela in the kitchen, kind of looking out the window. Mm -hmm. This thing that we've been talking about the whole time, the greenery, kind of mm -hmm. just shows up everywhere mm -hmm. in these pivotal scenes. Mm -hmm landscapes nature trees wind mm -hmm. greenery there's something that's larger than everybody that's mm -hmm. kind of looming over all of this drama and development mm -hmm. um yeah so we could talk about maybe that last scene and then i just have some kind of i have a few random i actually thoughts, have a few things outside of that yeah before yeah. we get to the last scene um okay. well actually you know I'll, I'll kind of keep with what i was saying the the nature stuff i mean mikey's scene where he's killed villain three. Yeah. We actually have him running off the street into the wilderness. Well, sorry. Could we start with the scene that's in his home? Because that's yes. such a great scene. And then we'll get there. I promise. Yep. But like, we only meet Mikey's wife. I forget her name. Yeah, um, if we even hear it. I, I think we hear briefly. it last episode, but yeah. whatever. Um, we hear her, hear him call her a hoe. <laughs> right. And then right. tells her to tell to her to go a take a my doll. Yeah. Um, and but then her story and I, I know I saw you jotting this down too yeah. so that those are the last words that he says to her yeah. and then he goes running off into the wilderness right yeah. which we'll get to but then we see the scene where on the news they're reporting that yeah. you know like everyone got arrested yeah. and also Mikey Palmese was yeah. killed 
And she says, the last thing he said to me was that he told me he loved me and that yeah. he'd be right back. Right? right. So, I mean, Mikey's a piece of shit. Everybody knows that. Yeah. I'm pretty black and white on Mikey. Mm-hmm. I've never seen any redeeming qualities <laughs> of his. Um, yeah. But she does, right? Fun. Like, but she's at least wanting. She sees she there's something she likes about him. Yeah, and she's kind of selling him that way, right? Right in the media piece yeah. for whatever reason. Yeah, Anyways. no, I thought that was fascinating actually because yeah. for me that introduced when I saw that. And Carmela's that... watching it. Sorry, Carmela's yeah. watching it, and Carmela, you can see Carmela is thinking. Mm-hmm. That introduced something that I think I talked about a little bit earlier in this episode. Just the topic of lies and dishonesty Mm -hmm. and it comes up so much here Mm -hmm. you have that very direct one about mikey just that's something that again we've been privy to all this information we know it's not true yeah we've been privy to all the information of what led to tony and Artie's conflict and we know that's not true we have chris to jimmy we know what's about to happen he's faking it we have carmella talking about she can't do it with junior and livia yeah she can't put on this face but she does yeah so we have all these characters engaging in dishonesty yeah and i think that's like the bread and butter of totally how all these characters live their life well and how they kind of have to to function in some yeah. ways yeah yeah totally so getting back to nature, nature yeah. <laughs> i mean pretty simple but you know we have mikey running off the street he kind of like disappears off the frame into the greenery then we have um, those amazing shots of him running down the street surrounded by the woods the car coming, and then he actually bolts into the woods. What's great about that is the music, not music, but the all we hear is just nature sounds. Yeah, really loudly. Really loudly. There's no music, there's nothing. So it's not like exciting in the way a scene like that typically would be right. in a TV show or a movie. All we have is just the, the soundtrack of nature. Yeah. And we have like crickets chirping and bird sounds. Um, and it's, it's fascinating because now they're just surrounded by nature, which they've established so strongly to relate to death and the afterlife and actually right before he dies he falls into the water and there's actually a big splash right which reminded me of a david hockney painting mm-hmm. yeah that they referenced the big splash the big splash yeah so earlier on so <laughs> which you know that was maybe referring to jackie who mm. then shortly thereafter died mm-hmm. obviously we've been talking about bridges relating to death mm-hmm. we see vin, vin mckazian jumping into the water so these aspects of nature, you know, whenever we've had character Vimakazian looking out at the lake mm-hmm. at the end of the driveway, mm-hmm. whenever we have them either within nature or around water, you know, those are definitely things that are related to yeah. not good things. Yeah. <laughs> to things that are not it's, bueno. It's Chris and Polly's first adventure out into nature together. Yeah. And Polly does not do great with it. He, He's very uncomfortable he with poison, poison ivy. ivy. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, um, yeah, yeah a, so then yeah. like but then you know to go along with the nature thing so like our closing scene for this season starts with Tony well he's le- he there's the power outage at Melfi's office right yes. so lightning strike or whatever lightning strikes we hear thunder the power goes out we then see him driving over a bridge right <laughs> and we've had a lot of bridge imagery it's raining quite heavily. We see a reflection of him in his rearview mirror like yeah. we do in the opening credits. So it's yeah. a nice kind of like closing. Yes. And I mean, they didn't know if Sopranos was going to get picked up for another season. Maybe, well, maybe they didn't. No, probably not at this point. 
I don't think they knew it was going to get picked up for the season. So they were really trying to tie up a lot of ends. There's something final about it. Yeah. I mean, every, there's closure to pretty much every aspect of tension totally. that's been introduced in the show. Totally. It's actually pretty remarkable. Um, but we, so we have this nice rear view mirror shot of his face, right? Yeah. And he's, you know, perplexed. And then we see him and the whole family in the car together. They're going to Aunt Patty's. Yeah who we only again see like once in the whole show, but they're they're heading there and they get stopped because of these fallen trees. Yeah. Right? So things are falling apart. Things yeah. are like that, you know, all these things that we don't have control over, those are caving in on us basically, yeah. right? Like it's making it impossible for us to go on with our lives yeah. normally. Yeah. Um, and then they show up at New Vesuvios. And yet, it does lead them to this scene where Tony has the, the toast, and we have an extreme close-up on his face, which mm -hmm. we also know we've seen is kind of related to mm -hmm. these key moments. And he says, you know, if you're lucky, you'll remember little moments like this that were good. Mm -hmm. And there is something about, again, relating to food, maybe in a different way, these family moments where they're all together and... They're actually taking a second to maybe think about some of these things as a family, to think about something positive, mm -hmm. to embrace the fact that they're a family in the same place mm -hmm. over a beautiful meal that, you know, embraces their cultural identity and heritage. It's about as positive of note you'll ever find in this show. Right. And it gets referenced later on. Right. And there is something that's so kind of nihilistic and bleak about mm -hmm. this show but I always kind of come back to that moment as there is something that exists in this world that is a little bit good. Mm -hmm. Now, right after he says that, we have a big a tree, tree crashing. Yeah. So there is this inevitability that bad things are coming. And actually... But that there are good moments. And I think that's kind of what he says, right? Well, like, what's fascinating is he talks about, yeah, if you're lucky, you'll remember little moments. And the fact that the tree falls right after, I was like, wow, that was literally a moment. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so short. <laughs> I mean, that was that was about it. And that's yeah. about all this show will give you. I mean, it's it's nothing. But that's that's what we get. And it's interesting that they do leave the season on somewhat of a positive note. Mm-hmm. But I mean, then you see the restaurant full of mobsters and, you know, like, like it kind of zooms out on them and everyone's looking at each other like they love each other, right? Like we see like Carmela and Tony kind of like well, snoggling and we see Chris and Adriana like, and we see Polly and Syl well, having and a moment an of romance. And there's an inevitability of death. Yeah. And we've established, I mean, we've talked so much about the greenery and the trees and them wrestling in the wind. Well, the wind just picked up and it will fall. Yeah. So inevitably... Something will come crashing. Yeah. And we'll see that unfold. Lots of things come crashing. But they can have these these beautiful moments, but there is this inevitability of they're not control of everything. Mm -hmm. And there is something larger than them, and it will catch up to them. Mm -hmm. Even though it seems like Tony escaped everything and got away and solved, <laughs> wrapped up all the loose ends, almost to a like comical point how much everything kind of turned out for him, mm -hmm. even though things are falling apart for people around him. Melfi and God knows what's happening to her patients, just as one example. Right, and she mentions that, right? Yeah. Like she has patients who are suicidal. But who cares? You yeah. know, we have Tony as the central yeah. figure. I mean, I you obviously you should care, but yeah. that's kind of the mentality of the show. Yeah. And Tony, it's really about him. And he really is at the center of the show, but... We know that there's something bigger, and even if everything is perfectly wrapped up in a bow in a way a TV season, only a TV season could be, mm. 
things will come. Well, but most to roost. most TV doesn't end like that. Like most seasons of TV leave you on a cliffhanger. That's how like the typical serial kind of works. Like seriously, yeah. Like yes. not not good. Not always. No, but in I general, in film, what about film though? In no, terms film of, comes to a close. Film, yes. you know. Yeah. Unless it's like. A, and what? But what about a series ending? When something finishes, well, a series ending tip typically comes to a very, to a good close, and this series is the anomaly from that. Yeah. So I mean, we we've talked about this. Chase is always playing with what our expectations of TV yeah. are, right? Totally, and, and it's fascinating that there is such a sense of sense of closure mm -hmm. at the end of the first season. Mm -hmm. Now they, you know, like you said, they didn't know if it was going on, mm -hmm. but they, yeah, they are. They're definitely playing with these elements, and even the fact that okay, everything's closed, but the last thing we hear is that tree falling mm -hmm. after there's been such a strong yeah. establishment of what the tree is. Yeah. There's yeah. There really is actually no closure. It's not as strong as where the show actually ended up, yeah. but they developed their language and they developed yeah. their sense of dealing with these issues. Yeah, totally. I just have a couple, like, straight thoughts. Yeah, there's a few pretty things long, to talk but, about. Um, the one thing, and I don't think, I can't figure out why it's important, but I think it... Again, like I never question that these writers know exactly each word they're picking precisely. Yeah. But sisters are mentioned four times mm -hmm. in the episode. And I don't, I know there, there's definitely obviously themes about womanhood mm -hmm. and um, like the relationships between female characters and the way that female characters interact in this world. But um, Carmela brings up Tony's sisters and how they got out of there as yeah. soon as they could yeah. when they were young or whatever. Like there was a hit out on them, she says, but yeah. like they really ran from this. Yeah. And then of course they're going to his sister Patricia's yeah. later on in the episode. Um, when Livia comes, which I, I forgot about that, that Livia like wanders to the Soprano house somehow yeah. from her retirement home. Um, and she keeps referring to Meadow as her by her own sister's name, right? And, yeah. and they're talking about that. Right. Um, Charmaine says Carmela is like a sister to me. Um, yeah. When Artie's like, "Your best friends out there, like, yeah. why won't you go say hi?" And yeah. she's like, "Carmela is like a sister to me, but I don't want this place to be yeah. a mob place." And then when we're there in the last scene. Charmaine also says like Kiara and her brother and sister yeah. in the back, right? Like, right. which I don't know who, why they would call one of them by name and then the brother and sister. I don't know. It, but again, like I, so I don't know what they were kind of indicating with that, but I did find it hmm. interesting. And I think our female characters do deal with this world in a different way than, yeah. than the male characters. Totally. Do. And so, you know, definitely. And, and we see, you know, Meadow and like at the family dinner even that they have with Livia yeah. and Junior, right? Like our female characters interact in different ways. Totally. So, anyways. Totally, yeah. I, I think we, sh we have to talk about the last scene with, sorry, just before the last scene of Livia and Tony. Yeah. Tony picking up the pillow. Yeah. Even if just briefly addressing the the smile that Livia has on her mm -hmm. face and actually just interpreting that. It's so ambiguous. That, it's so ambiguous. I and know. that's something maybe my reading of it has changed over mm -hmm. time. And I think I, I talked about this in previous ones, but it was hard for me to imagine that Livia was in, as engaged in the behavior yeah. as I maybe believe now. Yeah. And watching it this time, it really did seem like a smile, but it's almost yeah. like a Rorschach test. Yeah, totally. You know, going back to what they're talking about in the beginning yeah. of the season. I mean, it's ambiguous. There's really no way to tell. And 
even on the FBI tapes that they bring Tony in to listen to, right? Like, though, even those tapes are still ambiguous, right? We hear the conversation that we've heard before between yeah. her and Junior, and she never outright says it. Although yeah. we see that Tony believes that that's what she's saying, right? We see his face completely shift in that scene, right? Like when her voice comes on the mic or, or on the tape player yeah. or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, you see his face like completely fall, and it's we have such a close up of yeah. his face there. It's like we can see his pores. Yeah, we're like so close, and we just see his realization yeah. of that yeah. moment. Um, totally. And then we see that play out, not until the end of the episode, the scene that we're talking about when he goes to ostensibly smother her. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> there is a sense, you know, and I, I talked about this earlier of her smiling. Like, there's a sense of me as she gets carted off, ending the season with her winning. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So Tony kind of wins everything. Mm-hmm. He wraps up everything with a bow, but that isn't. And when he talks about, I'll deal with them to Carmela, but inside I'm not sure. Yeah. That really is the resolution of the season. Yeah. He's able to deal with the violence and the mob associates and that side of the family and all the issues that have risen because of that. But with Livia, she manipulates him psychologically in a way that isn't so clear cut. Yeah. And as she as she leaves, it's hard to imagine how Tony will deal with that going forward. Yeah. No, absolutely. Maybe that's the one thing that's kind of left on a cliffhanger. Yeah. Yeah. And what color was the pillow that Tony was going to smother her with? White. Rainbow. Rainbow? No, it wasn't. It was white. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. It was white. Oh. But that's enough. That's enough on whites, blacks, grays. <laughs> um, yeah. Do you have anything else? That's it. That's I'll it. leave it on a rainbow joke. <laughs> cool. An excellent rainbow joke. Well, if any of you listened to this whole first season, that's great. Congratulations. Um, Thank you. Congratulations to us for talking about 13 episodes. Yeah. Only a few times could you not see my eyes rolling. <laughs> <laughs> Which is great about podcasts. Yeah. And yeah, we'll start up with season two very shortly really shortly yeah so looking forward to it thanks for listening yeah and we'll be back soon with more sopranos bye